Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe every area of your life has a little more potential you can tap into and that it is completely possible and available for you to get a little bit better in every area of your life. I am your host, Clarissa Parody, and I have trained and worked in the world of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I am the person who believes and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if you are the type of person who wants to get a little better, whether it's in your personal life, your professional life, your love life, you are in the right place. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Welcome back to the Be Better podcast. Today, I have one of the most cherished humans in my life. This is Mark Sefton, and I'm going to read his bio to you because this is a man you want to know about. I met him through complete happenstance, complete happenstance. The world of social media can really transform your relationships and who you're with. And my God, did I know I could fall in love with a man across the pond through his voice on an audio app? No, I didn't. But here is Mark Sefton. He is a personal mentor to entrepreneurs. His mission is to help others uh, has seen him break into the world of global markets while working with startups and millionaire entrepreneurs around the world. Mark's love for entrepreneurship has been expressed through serving as a podcast host for the Brains Magazine. When not on the mic, Mark is a regular contributor for the Entrepreneur Magazine and a speaker for corporate events, entrepreneurship summits, and major conferences worldwide. His expertise in personal and professional development has positioned him as an expert in the industry, resulting in transformational experiences for audience, clients, and businesses alike. Drawing from personal experiences, Mark has taken the essence of what he has experienced and built a business that helps draw out the magnificent potential that every person beholds using his GPS system to highlight blind spots, efficiencies, and deficiencies. Excuse me. He also is the author of three personal development books, Inside Job, Plot Twist, and with his latest book, Mark of a Man, that launched just this last year, Mark, uh, November 30th, 2021. Oh, Mark, I'm thrilled that you are here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thinking that I need to just shorten my bio because, you know, you needed oxygen by the end of that. You know, I came up for air. I came up for air. I was like, <laughs> I should have challenged myself to do a one breath challenge. You ever see those? <laughs> Things where the, they, people try to sing for as long as CN, they're like, oh, breathe in. How do they do it? I don't know. But your bio's really, I mean, why wouldn't we want to talk about it all? Like, that is incredible. You've authored three books. I, the tenacity that it takes to even sit down and write something, to articulate your ideas from the essence, from the beingness, from the emotions, from who you are on the inside, and then express them on paper and then get them published. Those are feats, my friend. Those are feats. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm actually building a program at the moment to help other people uh, write their first book. So it's in production. So watch this space. Um, but I think, you know, really as, as proud as I am for some of the things that I've achieved, you know, I'm, I'm really just, I'm really just a man. And I, I'm a big believer in the sooner you can find out what you were put on earth to do, the, the easier life becomes but I think we always have to do the best with what we've been given and and be faithful to that and I'm a big believer you know that our gifting makes room for us but I also think that you know the longer you can stay teachable and hungry and then you take that knowledge and you apply it that's really the main difference because people talk about knowledge is king well it isn't because you can know all the knowledge in the world, but unless you apply it and get revelation, then actually it doesn't really serve you. And so, you know, we all need once in a while a kick in the pants to take what we already know. And for whatever reason, we don't apply it and we don't make use of it, which is no good to anybody. And I think, you know, until you get the revelation and you actually apply the knowledge, you'll never really achieve anything. But as soon as you start to do that and how well and efficient you are in applying the knowledge that you know, then you can start to achieve things. And I guess, you know, that's really why I've been able to achieve what I have. Totally. There's absolutely a difference between the knowingness and the beingness, right? Mm -hmm. I, how many times have you known something in your head and you didn't know it in your, like, I'll call it my heart. Like I knew something was up here, but I didn't embody it fully. And it, I didn't act like take action in my life on the day to day and nothing moved. Everything just stayed the same. And then I had the same complaints six months later, a year later, even though I knew better. 
you know, how many, you have kids. So like, you know, better, you're like, you can, I, I got that from my parents. Like, you know, better, I'm like, well, I do know better, but I didn't do better. I definitely only knew better in that moment. That's amazing. I love that Mark. So you talked a bit about, um, your purpose on earth and your calling on earth and, and how there's some revel of revelation process in there. What happened for you to kind of figure out what it was that you were going to be up to on this planet? Yes, it's a good question. It just, it takes introspection and, and I always believe that there's such depth and richness in reflection. And, you know, I've often said that none of us can lead anybody uh, away from a place that we haven't been before. And I, I realized that a lot of the things that we go through that may make not sense and they may hurt as hurt as hell. And, you know, they may be a sense of loss and, and trauma and, you know, we all have those at different degrees of, you know, experience in life. And yet I really know that the things that I've gone through are actually the things that I'm to help other people go through. I mean, really, that's the whole essence of parenting. It's the essence of mentoring and coaching. It's really the essence of why we have generations, because really we're supposed to take the learnings, the failings, the pain, and pass down everything that we have learned to, to those that are coming up behind us. In my case, it's it's my kids, you know, and when I look back over the pain in my life, the loss, the trauma, the difficulty, you know, I've realized that, you know, this, this experience and this personal fragmentation that I've felt in, in my own life will now help serve those who are now going through trauma, pain and, and fragmentation. And, you know, as I said earlier, you know, I believe that our gifting makes room for us. And I, I think, you know, for me, when I considered the challenge, the challenges I had in my childhood, you know, they, they say that at the, at the core and, and the heartbeat of every entrepreneur is somebody who has the ability to problem solve. And, and when they've looked at the backstory of the majority of entrepreneurs, they often had a challenging, problematic childhood. And the reason why that then is congruent with being an entrepreneur is because it's about solving problems. And when you go through problems at a young age and you find the way uh, to find a solution and move forward, uh, actually, when you hit later life, you are actually already equipped because you found a way to find your way through even as a kid. So how much more with more wisdom, more expertise, more technology, more know-how can you then, you know, move forward and, and everything I've been through in life has, has served me uh, and got me to where I am now. And a lot of my content is around self-leadership. It's around the struggle. It's around the pain. It's around uh, when you miss it, it's, a, it's around heartbreak, you know, it's around being faithful with what you have and, and so for me, like my life makes sense and uh, it hasn't always been easy. And I've just, just today wrote an article about, you know, when we hurt most, we grow most. And I'm a real big believer in that. Absolutely. You know, there's how many times, I mean, I look at even when you 10 things go right and one thing goes wrong, like whether it's a compliment or whether it's negative feedback or whether it's like a heartache or something at work, I, I don't, the nine things that went right I, I actually learned the most from the thing that went wrong. I mean, I also remember it the most and I probably am sad about it the most, but it really does shape my next steps and, and learnings. And I, like, I kind of, looking back at like some of the things I've learned, I'm like, well, it makes sense. It's your survival, like mode of survival. If you're, if you're going to survive longer and be better about it, it's probably a really good thing to learn from those moments of hurt. So what had you learn from them and move forward rather than just be completely like, diminished, taken out and defeated by them on permanently, you know? Yeah. I think before I go there, I think we all need to be mindful of the continual lessons that life keeps bringing to us uh, when we don't actually understand the lesson or move beyond the challenge. You know, they're things what we really need to pay attention to. If we've got repeat experiences that never seem to uh, evolve or or just you know disperse but they're constantly like a thorn 
they're the ones we we really need to be mindful of yeah you know i i think you know for me you know i came from a broken family so i had i had shards of rejection abandonment you know in my life that i saw you know manifest even in my adult life you know wanting to be involved wanting to be included you know and, and i knew that i carried around like this sensitivity almost like i'm scanning for for times when i when i may be rejected or excluded and and sometimes you know i i think i caused myself pain by internalizing certain situations and that narrative that I had as a kid was the fact, you know, that that I maybe I wasn't so lovable or I'm not so secure in in the love and the relationships I have, you know, and and so you know I could identify certain behaviors and thoughts where maybe I I did become insecure and that and that isn't overly attractive, you know, in in your friendship and relationship with others, you know, people don't want to feel like you're smothering them because you kind of want reassurance all the time, you know, and, and I realized there were times when I, you know, I did come across as, as needy, you know, and, and did come across as kind of not secure. And, you know, I, I, I learned a lot about attachment theory around secure attachment, avoidant, uh, and anxious attachment. It's a great book, actually, if nobody's never read that, like um, it's called attachment. I can't think of, the authors i tend to just think about the the content of the book <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah if you google attachment you you would find it you know and you know i think that one you go i think the hardest journey is always the one that goes through your heart and i think we're not none of us are islands and yet some of the paths we have to take sometimes there is an element of where we have to go it alone you know if you think you know we're all within reason you could argue if you're a twin or a triplet or a quadruplet but really in essence we we're all born like individually like at one particular time nobody kind of we're not born with somebody else you know and typically you know we die we die as well um typically like we we venture that through all by ourselves. you know i don't want to lose anybody here by going to uh, <laughs> too deep but there's that there is that sense of there's certain there's certain things in life that we just have to and I think one of one of my biggest challenges is you know I always I always want someone to witness what I what I witness what I experience I love sharing moments I love sharing laughter I love sharing you know those those precious things that stand out in your in your mind and you know, I think when you've gone through challenge and difficulty and you're able to make sense of it and heal it and accept it, and often often the story we tell ourselves isn't often about us, it's about somebody else, you know, mm. and we're all we're all hurting ourselves to a degree by accepting the projection of others. And actually it's got nothing to do with you. It's it's to do with them. Absolutely. You know, and um, that's that's something that's really important to highlight again, I think. That is so good. I, I want to circle back to the, how you talk about relearning the lesson. So for people listening, I, I also had to circle the drain on a few lessons in my life. And, you know, if you are, if you ever find yourself asking, why does this keep happening to me? And it's the question I started asking was, why is this happening for me? Like, what have I not picked up? There's, if it keeps happening to you, the common denominator in that situation is you. And it's, it's kind of a gross feeling when you realize you're like, Oh my, well, this has happened five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, an infinite number of times. Why is this happening? And it, it's not about why it's happening. Is it, what, it as much as it is? What about it? And what about how am I showing How am I showing up? What underlying lenses Mark talked about how, you know, there was something when happened when you were a kid, when you're that broken family and you developed a lens of, and perception of, being unlovable or being broken. And oh my God, can I ever speak to that? I also grew up in a very volatile home. I'm sorry for my parents for outing you. It was, it just was what it was. Okay. You did the best you could. And we know it could have been better. Okay. That's just the truth. And it's how many times did I go and repeat patterns, either in friendships or relationships. And I, I felt like the victim for a, a while until I realized the, per, the person who was always in the circumstance was me. 
It was always me. And so you can come out of it. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's lessons you're done learning, right? <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. not, it's not continually circling the drain. Uh, so, but there's needs to be a willingness to look at you uh, before looking at them and being like, well, they are doing this. It's like, well, how am I available for this? What is it about me that is allowing this to show up repeatedly in my life? And you know, what's really interesting those that have judged me the most harshly are the ones that need to look in the mirror the most. Mm, yeah. And, and it's, and it's true, you know, and, and we talk about, you know, when one finger points at you, three are pointing back, right. you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, he who's without sin cast the first stone, you know, there's, there's such judgment, um, it's one of the things that I hate about the church, actually, is I, I hate the judgment of so-called Christians. And yet when I read the stories of Jesus, he is somebody who isn't judging like the woman with the what was it? The seven. The, she'd been married seven times or something like that. Seven, eight, nine times. He's like, you know, drink this. This is way better for you. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, you know, you whore, you know, you, you, you know, it's just totally different. Yeah, grace. You know, exactly. And it's like, you know, come on. It's it's like show me show me what real love is cuz sadly in this world I hear it time and time again, especially in the church, people don't want to go in it because of the judgment and the hypocrisy. It's vomit and it doesn't actually represent the God that I know. And I'm sure that his heart breaks because the people that say they're his don't even mm -hmm. look like him. Right. You know, and I'm challenged by the fact that if I say that I'm a Christian, that I'm a man of God, I know there's things in my life that still need outworking and maybe don't represent God in, in his glory either. But at least, you know, it's that sense of humility and Jesus himself said, you've got to enter the kingdom like a child, you know, and these that keep pushing how amazing they are, you know, and then judging others. No, you're wrong. And I think the, the, the comment on hypocrisy is that we have to remember that it happens everywhere, right? Like I, there, how many times, like, whether it's, you know, pick your, pick your favorite, like, like mentor and there's hypocrisy in their life. Like I talk leadership, I talk peak performance. I, and you, you think I'm on all the time? No. But the one thing that I really think could, the world could benefit from is grace, grace and understanding. And, uh, one thing that I noticed in the last like few years, especially with cancel culture is there's no room for growth. It's you misstepped, you're gone. And I think that is foolish. I think if we don't believe that people can grow or shift or change or transform, and, and it's just, you're gone because of a certain idea or something you said 15 years ago when it wasn't a bad thing, you know, it, it's, there's some danger in there. Cause they were saying, you don't, you as a human don't actually have any potential for growth or change. It just is what it is. And you're going to be judged for what happened as opposed to being like, you can grow, shift, change, become a better version of you. And that, that is what I'd love to see more in the world. And so I, Mark is one of these great people that believes that people can grow. So, I mean, look at, look at your books. I'd actually love for you to talk a little bit about Mark of a man. I haven't finished it. Um, but if you want to, I'd love, I, I feel like when things come up and new, new things are written, you're in a new headspace, right? And so there's new lessons that are being shared. So I'd love for the audience to hear a little bit about your book, like, uh, whatever, whatever you want to share about it. Yeah. I mean, people ask me, you know, why do you write a book or why do you write this particular book? You know, and there's a couple of reasons as to why. And first of all, I find writing very cathartic, you know, whether I'm writing a, a, a magazine article, writing a book or just writing in my journal, you know, even today I wrote down the emotions that I'm feeling uh, and writing down, why am I feeling these emotions and what do these emotions represent? And, you know, Mark of the Man really gets people thinking, but there's also some tangible, practical exercises that that people can do. And for me, this is one of the most simple ones. And yet it's so profound. If you just sit like every morning and you just acquire and you write down the emotions you feel or, or the impressions you feel in your body, do you feel light or heavy? You know, do you feel confused? You know, and 
and just write those emotions down and, and start to understand them. This is where the growth will come. Um, you know, I wrote Mark of a Man not exclusively for men, though I have wrote it through the lens of uh, my own divorce, realizing and recognizing that there isn't actually that much resource, support, encouragement, blueprint to help a man kind of travail through some of the, the, the heavy emotions and know how to make sense of them and move forward, you know, because as men, we're told that real men don't cry, that we have to keep it together, you know, so there's, there's that side of things that we have to embrace. And then I've also seen when women ask men to be vulnerable, and then we are, sadly, that is then used against us as like, as like a weapon. Mm. And, and, and so I want to talk, it's kind of twofold the book for me. I really challenge men in the way that they conduct themselves, especially in how they see women, but also speak of women. So I do, I do challenge men on that because as a man uh, and I'm in the ear uh, and I'm in the conversation, listening to other men and, you know, I've got two daughters. So I find that really helps me mm. realize that every woman that I see or interact with is somebody's daughter. And because I have two princesses and I've spent, um, all their life, investing in them, letting them know their worth. I'm hopeful that actually when it comes to them choosing a man, I won't have to concern myself with who that man is because they already know how they should be treated. And if a man doesn't treat them that way, he's got no chance. You know, so I, it is me challenging the men and, it, and challenging myself. And I talk about the responsibilities we have as a man and the expectations I also talk about the difference between the masculine and the feminine energy. You know, the world's gone mad, and hear me right, um, around equality. Now, I believe in equality, that both man and woman are equally valuable and should have equal respect and equal rights. So that equality, I agree with. The equality I don't agree with is the fact, actually men and women are supposed to complement each other, not compete. There's mm. some things on the planet that women do way better than men, and men just need to get out of the way and let a woman own it, let her lead it, let her shape it, let her put her heart into it, and vice versa. There's things that men do way better than women, and you need to get out of our way and let us do it. Honestly, I look at that. I, I want to, what did you say earlier that I, okay, I want to comment on your daughters and how you're like, you, there's a moment where, you know, you're, you're not going to concern yourself with who they choose. This reminded me, this is, this is true for anything in life. If you know what is true, what is excellent, what is good, what is, like, what works for you. There's, there was a, was it in the States prior to blue light, people would study bills. And there'd be people who could literally visually detect a counterfeit bill. And all they ever studied was the original true, perfect bill. Like this is the, this is the real deal. This is the one that it looks like. And so anything that didn't line up with that, uh, was discarded. It was easy. And they didn't study what was wrong. They didn't study what wasn't, what was inaccurate. Like don't look for this dot in this place. This is what is a counterfeit bill. Cause counterfeits do whatever counterfeits do. And they look different every time. And it's, that's the goal. But if they knew what is perfect, what is true, what is good, what is pure, it was easy to discern it. And I think teaching your kids discernment by demonstrating and role modeling that which is loving and pure and wonderful and cherishing. I think you can really set your kids up for success in that way. So that was something I wanted to like, I love that. I love that. That is so good. And even whether it's men or women or whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, I think one thing that I really took from that is like play from your, like let the strength be the strength. I, I'm, I really love strengths-based leadership. Tom Rath is one of my like, love that guy. Uh, and what I have learned is if I play from a position of my strengths and I'm so much better, I, I work on my weaknesses. I accommodate my weaknesses, but there are some things I'm just trash at. There's, there's just things I'm not good at and that's okay. Uh, I don't have to be an Excel spreadsheet whiz. I don't, I mean, it's very helpful for a lot of what I do, but it's, and I, and I compensate for that weakness, but I also look to people who are better than me in other areas. And if you're more creative than me, if you're better at whatever it is that you're doing, 
I would rather let you fly and soar and, and give you room to thrive and let me thrive in my own way. Like you, we are not, we are not identical in any way, shape or form, whether it's about gender or personality or whatever, like just give the person room and let them, let them compliment each other. Like you can all, this is one of the things I've talked about on my team is that I have a team of five right now. They're all vastly different. They're all vastly different because that is what's going to bring out the best in others, especially if we give each other room and don't stomp on each other's strengths. Mm. Like I don't have to perceive a strength as a weakness just because it's not my strength and I don't understand it, mm. which is something I'm like, oh, that is something I could probably take forward into relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic endeavors. I'm like, wow, I could really use <laughs> to apply that a little bit better in my life. I, I got it in the workplace, but in, in the world of relationships and marriage and teen or in like, like friendships, I'm very weak in that category. And it sounds like you really understand that there's certain things that work really well for you in those romantic relationships and like give people space, give people space. Mm. So good, Mark. So good. I did. I had another question, but I think it flitted out of my brain. So if it comes back, I'll let you know. There's something that I want to say. I want to, I actually want to liberate somebody. I want to liberate at least one person that hears this. Cause I think it's one of the most liberating things you can experience. There's always that sense that we all carry at some point in our life where we want to prove somebody wrong. Mm. Uh, and we also sometimes want to improve ourselves wrong, you know, and we try so hard to be all things to, to all people, you know, and there's something really liberating about saying, actually, I'm not that good at that. And actually that doesn't really fit me and that doesn't really excite me. And I don't really feel called cool to that. And I don't need to be like that or have that gift mm. and actually just accept it rather than trying to be something that you're not. I mean, if you take that white throw or jumper that you've got on right now, right, and you hand it to me and I put it on, it's highly likely that it's going to be really contorted, really tight. You know, and and you you'll be able to see that it really isn't my size, you know, and yet <laughs> and and yet we try we try, you know, to to fit into people's ideologies, our own kind of fear of not being enough, you know, and so we put on this white jumper, this white sweater, you know, trying to kind of be Clarissa and then realize actually that isn't for me that's for you you know and and actually it's okay that it doesn't fit and it's okay that I'm too big for it and that it is actually too small for me <laughs> you know and there's that there is that sense you know Clarissa where I want to liberate someone you know if you're listening to this of course I believe in development of course I believe in growth of course I believe in you know learning to walk learning to ride a bike but i also believe that if you're doing something and actually you suck at it then just accept it and then go find the thing you don't suck at and don't worry about that you know stop trying to fit into somebody else's idea it's so liberating you know to say actually you know what i'm not great at diy you know and i don't give a rat's ass whether a man is determined or told that he's a man because he's great at DIY because I know plenty of men that are great at wiring a plug and are lousy at being emotionally intelligent. For me, that, that's, you know, there isn't one thing, you know, so just liberate yourself and you know what, if it don't fit, it doesn't resonate. You're not that good at it. Don't do it. It's so liberating. I, and that's half of the reason why, I've enjoyed some progress in my life because I only do the things I love, only do the things that excite me and only do the things that will take me to where I want to go. And everything else is for somebody else to do. Totally. You know? I love that. I, okay. So this, like, it's, I think there's two things you pointed out that, that it's like the magic formula. If you suck at it and you hate it, if it's, if you suck at it and it's something you want to get better at, there's room. 
there's room for that. Like the first time I did a tumble in gymnastics, it did not go great. It did not go great. But at some point I liked it enough that I learned. And then there were certain things I got with like uneven bars. Oh my God. I hated those things. And I didn't want to learn and I sucked and I didn't want to learn. And so that's going to destroy your potential and performance anyways. Uh, and it's not to say you can just be endlessly flippant and capricious with your endeavors. Uh, sometimes you need some like, okay, it's not the best right now, but I know my long-term, as Mark pointed out, my long-term desire, my long-term goal is there. And so you might have to go through some stuff that you hate for a little bit, but if the whole, if the end goal <laughs> is something that doesn't land with you, it's something you hate. And it's something that you generally are just terrible at. Why, why make yourself suffer? And it's, I, it, I know there's some contention around it because it's, you know, are we just making decisions that are entirely emotional? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm my, I mean, First of all, 98% of human emotions are start or 98% of human decisions start in emotion. Generally, that's the first step. And then we rationalize most of the time after the fact. And I have found there's been decisions I was excited about that I knew were going to be tough to do. And I still persevered, even on the days that I wanted to pull up my own eyeballs. And I said, why did I take this accounting course? This was a terrible idea. No one likes, but it was worth it but I, I needed to get through, but I also knew it was tied to my end goal. So there was something that got me through to the other side. And I think that's so valuable to like, I, I didn't do a degree in, I don't know, picket engineering because I didn't, I didn't feel called and I knew I would hate my life. Mm -hmm. So, although I will say there are some exceptions where I thought I would hate something. It turns out later on, I loved it when I was less resistant and <laughs> less of a jerk, like sports. Didn't know I like football. Turns out I enjoy it and now watch FCs. Isn't that crazy? Like who would have thought? Hey. I went to a game, Mark. I went to a game. You'd be so proud. Wow. I know oh, it, was yeah. a, it was a Canada game. So that was exciting for me. I was like, this is, we don't do that here. This is becoming exciting in Canada now, but yeah. So there's going to be some things that maybe you have judgment against and you don't take action on and you end up liking, but generally you probably know yourself pretty well. And if you tap in a little bit, tune in and, and do that introspection that Mark creates in his life. Uh, you might actually find like, am I just being a pouty pants? Am I just being resistant? Is there something I'm telling myself about the situation? Is there a story that I'm making up about this? Is there a judgment I'm having around it? That's unnecessary. That mm. is fabricated. That's taking me out of enjoyment and it's and into suffering. Mm. Oh, Mark, you make me think thoughts and I just love it. You, you make my brain grow. I think that's part of my favorite part about our friendship is like my brain gets better. The, th the thing that I love about your brain is I can give you some ingredients and you'll take those ingredients and you'll make, you know, a cake <laughs> out of them. That, that's what that's, that is actually one of your strengths is the fact that you will listen and glean that which is given and then you will bake a cake with it. And who doesn't like cake, right? Oh, oh yeah <laughs> and thank you Mark. thank you mark that was really kind of you um yeah i would love to hear a little bit about you talked a little bit about the things you do so i mean you're a dad you have a podcast you write articles you're an author you mentor people you're a coach you do all these sorts of things so there has to be something that you do to give you some level of success or stability or structure to keep ensuring that you're delivering on these multiple channels and platforms that you have obligations and responsibilities towards. I'd love to hear about what you do to like stay in the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, when it comes to content, cause you know, a lot of what I do is, is about content, you know, whether it's speaking it or writing about it, you know, so, you know, when you go through human experience, then I tend to write and create content around them. At the end of the day, I'm a human being and there's certain things that we all experience you know and and often you know when you think about creating content you know i always tell people to to write content that is common to man because you're already gonna get people's buy-in you know we we all have relationships whether it's with ourselves or with other people you know we we all eat we all drink we all sleep you know there's there's some basic things that you can that you can convey and and contribute you know and so when it comes to you know how do i stay on on the straight and narrow and and, and keep delivering you know for me it's just become it's become a, a way of life you know to create a little video whether it's for instagram stories or 
you know, it's for an article, it's, you know, I write about my everyday, the things that I've learned, the things that are causing me pain, uh, the things that I've listened to, the things that I react to in the world, you know, and uh, for me, that becomes, you know, a way in which I have a quite a steady timeline, you know, and again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm only doing the things that I love and that excite me, you know, and that I feel are in my wheel, wheelhouse. They're my secret source, my sweet spot, you know, and, and I'm committed and devoted to those. And yet there's still a part of me that feels like Mark Sefton is lazy, you know, because <laughs> sometimes, you know, I may only work three or four hours a day, you know, and, um, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think the benefit of when you work for yourself is you do what you love and then you do as much or as little of it as you want, you know, and, and for me, but I think the things that I commit to that help me deliver is like I said, if it, if it's, if my heart is in it, then it doesn't feel so much like work. You know, I, I enjoy interviewing people as well. It's one of the creams of the things that I do, you know, and, it's that isn't work for me Get, like asking great questions is fun like it's awesome you know and if you can learn and glean from somebody else and take one thing away and add it and apply what you've learned as we said at the start it's applying it and you see it manifest you see it grow it has a heartbeat it has legs you know it has it produces a crop oh wonderful so good and you know what it really takes a special person to ask questions and you can train yourself to ask great questions. And Mark is extraordinary with great questions. When you get, when you ask the question you want the answer to life changes, right? We, we often ask questions. Like we talked earlier about like the, why does this happen to me? Whatever. And even in the interviews, you can be like, well, why do you think that happened to you? You could, or you could say, well, what did you take forward with that? Like what changed for you? What decision did you make after going through that experience? And it, it changes the way you live your life. And it, Mark takes his day-to-day experiences and lets it guide him and move him forward, not put blockades up or, or he processes it. And what I love about Mark too, Mark, you just, and I'm sure you know this is that he's not afraid to be like, I also have feelings. (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not disconnected from that. And I know there's, there's, I mean, this has been probably I mean, I can't really speak for a few or for past generations, but I've noticed such a shift in the culture from, I, I don't know how old you are actually, but from when I was growing up, um, there was still the boys don't cry situation. And then by the time I was teaching children, there was, <clears throat> excuse I'm having like a throat close. What's happening here? Is it, it can't figure itself out. Okay. So uh, by the time I, I was teaching children, we started talking to young boys about their emotions and, and like, what are you going through? What are you feeling right now? And now it's an entirely different experience. You know, I could have used the mute button. That was very clever of you. Why didn't I think of that? I mean, this evidently I'm working with an expert here. He's done this. This is not your first rodeo, Mr. Sapton. This is not your first rodeo, but it's, it's so interesting. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, you probably grew up in a generation where if you're remotely close to my age, that wasn't a thing, right? We, you weren't taught emotional regulation, you weren't taught coping mechanisms and you had to learn that as an adult, you had to learn that as an adult. And that is something that one of those things that is clearly learnable and is evidenced by the person sitting in front of me. Right. So bravo, bravo. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. I want to know, I, we, we won't have that much time left, but I do want to know a moment where, uh, in life, something happened and you pivoted completely. Like you're like, Whoa, I need to do a 90 degree turn, a 180 degree turn, something happened. And you're like, and it wasn't expected, but it put you on a new trajectory in life and how you handled it. Good question. I mean, I think several things come to mind. I think, I think one that the first one that popped to mind was when I decided to branch out, you know, and create my own business. So, you know, I was working for a well-known company, you know, and I think anything in life is about trust. And I, I was in a working environment where I really felt like they broke their trust with me, mm. you know, and um, anybody that knows me, my worst crime in, in life and in all my relationships 
my worst crime is naivety if there's ever been a crime you know and um i realize in life that you know i always have good intentions i think sometimes the way that i execute those intentions has been historically where i've uh caused myself pain and maybe other people but it's always been you know with naivety and you know it's quite clear that the last the last company i worked for i could tell that they were making it difficult for me you know and and i lost trust in, in them because mm. when things become too personal and and you know there's there's elements of like some things are just not necessary mm. you know it really made me think that you know and i think i saw something from elon musk like just this week on a post you know where he was saying you know a company isn't gonna remember you like in 10 years time like people are so replaceable and yet we give so much of our time and energy to the work that we do and actually if we put the same level of focus on our relationships our family our children our partner ourselves you know how much more happy and productive life would be and so when i was going through this situation it kind of coincided with me getting curious about creating my own business and coming across uh, a woman called Danny Johnson who was talking about um you know if you if you if you want to become more valuable to the marketplace then what you offer the marketplace has to expand and seems sounds so simple right now it's like you know why does a, a brain surgeon get top you know dollar for that skill it's because you know they go through years and years and years of learning you know and even then you know they have to go through quite a hard vigorous you know process before you know they can let you loose on somebody's brain of course you know and you 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 can't you can't do that like you know if you haven't had the training the knowledge and the, and the and the development you know and it became really apparent to me that if i wanted to offer more to the marketplace and and actually be paid more handsomely than than the my skill and my understanding and what i brought to the market had to be greater than the level i was able to give it at that point you know and i i'd started developing myself did started doing a, a diploma in life coaching and you know did some leadership trainings and stuff and it kind of coincided where i felt like you know i was being managed you know out and and a breakdown in trust and it was right at the cusp of uh, the recession you know and i was about to have um i think my second child my son casey when i when i made this this break for it and it was one of those moments where it's like some people would say you can't afford to do that right now and yet for me it was i couldn't afford not to do it right now and and so sometimes the benefit of doing of doing things in a season of difficulty is the fact that when it isn't difficult you just plain sail and if there is a setback you already kind of like bulletproof because you built something in the wilderness and i guess that was that was one thing that really shifted you know me from being in employment to working in my own endeavors you know and and taking the learning of those you know and moving forward Totally. There's, I mean, this is my no effing more line in the sand moments, right? Like you, something happens and you look at the situation and you're like, absolutely not. I am no longer available for this. And if you aren't liking how something is going in your world, you can take yourself faster towards that moment. Like you can let the environment dictate and take you to the cusp, uh, the brink of it and, and let the environment choose for you. Or you can say, is this one of the ways I fast forward those moments are is in five years, if this continues, mm -hmm. am I okay with it? And then I'm like, no, no more line in the sand. Absolutely not. And, and it can give me the courage to take a leap and to leap out of 
a corporate world where there's a stable paycheck and you have a second kid on the way and you've already got financial obligations to your family and you know you want to take care of them. And staying in there would have been more costly than leaving. That is the line in the sand moment. And I think that is such a powerful moment to choose because we can stay in fear and make a decision based off of worry, or we can say, okay, I am uncertain on how this will fully go, but I know it's going to be more expensive Mm. (laughs) in a variety of ways to stay here and more costly and more damaging to continue as I currently am than if I was to part or take something on. So that's really exciting. Good for you, Mark. Good Mm -hmm. for you. It's and and it's, this isn't the first time you'll hear the story, right? You're going to hear from a lot of other people who started businesses. They chose, they chose, and it, it's getting to that brink of decision and getting to the brink of decision can be so hard. Can we, we can sit there and waffle. I, I love living in the land of waffle because it feels there's a little bit of comfort because I haven't really chosen anything. Because if I stick with the thing that I hate, then I know I chose it. And, but if I look towards the future and I choose that, then I'm scared that everything, that the floor will fall out from underneath me. But this is, this is as much of a choice as anything. I'd rather like, oh my goodness. So yeah, yeah, I've, the, if you want to fast forward your decision-making, ask yourself if this is the same thing in five years, How, am I okay with I, it? I actually think five years is too long, Clarissa. Oh, I know, but I, I, I need to make it hurt. I need to put salt in my own wound. That's why I ask five years. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this cannot be, even if it was one year, I'm like, can I handle this for one year? Whatever gets you to the breaking point in six months from now, you're like, Oh no, this isn't going to work. And that could have, that can be with your job. It can be with your health. It can be with like, if you continue to not read books, like you say, you're going to, if you continue to just buy endless amounts of books and not read them, are you okay with that? No, I'm not. Okay. Well then what are you going to do about it? Now what? So what, or what? So what now what? Those are my favorite questions to ask. What's the problem? What's going on? Okay. So what? So what's the impact? Now what? Now what are we going to do? And it's actually from a learning cycle. And I think I chopped it up and made it really tiny. It was from, I think, Kolb's learning model. Anyways, it has been powerful in my life. And it, it sounds like Mark does the same thing. Maybe not as like, use a learning cycle, but he's naturally good at it. What's it like to be naturally good at decision-making, Mark? My God, good job. That's, a, that's not, um, it's not an easy place to be. I do like making decisions. I do. Yeah, that's good. It's fun. I like it. What happens when you make a decision and then you end up not liking it? What do you do? It actually doesn't happen that often. Oh my God. Good for you. But that's because I think, you know, if you, if you know who you are, know what your mission is. And I always talk about your lighthouse. Then there's kind of two thoughts. One is the fact that if you're being true to yourself, then even if you, if it feels like actually maybe I, I missed it here, it doesn't, it doesn't knock, knock you off course. And I, I'm a big believer if you don't compromise on your values, that even if you do get it wrong, you won't break. Right. Totally. I, what I actually like what you said about like, if, if you take a choice and you're true to yourself and you miss, you're going to bounce back because you made a decision in a place that you knew was true to you to begin with. And if true to you doesn't land with you, one thing I ask myself is, am I being honest with myself? If I'm being really honest with myself, painfully honest, violently, viciously honest as is what I'm doing. Does it make sense? Is does it, is it in alignment? Is, and sometimes it's like, it's not, it's I'm, why am I even doing that? That is a, and it, cause sometimes I do what it takes to lie to myself, to make myself feel like the decision I'm making is okay. Even though I know it's not the one I want to be making because I'm doing it to make someone else happy. I'm doing it to fit in with earlier, what you said, paradigms, norms, a mold of some sort, whether it's societal expectations or my own perceived created paradigms. And I, if I'm really honest with myself, would I still be doing this? If is I, you know, not everyone loves it, but the question I love that I heard from Jordan Peterson is what am I doing right now? That's a terrible decision. What's what, what could I stop making a decision about today on a daily basis that would actually make my life better? I'm like, Oh, for a while there, I was hitting snooze. I was like, I just snooze, snooze. And, and for no, I wasn't even tired. I was just like, bed's nice. And you know, sometimes that's great. But when it becomes, when it started taking away from my life, I was like, what decision do I stop? I need, what thing am I doing that I need, do I need to stop doing? So Mark, you just make, you, you make more thoughts come in my head. I can't, I just love it. I feel like this is so good for my brain. <laughs> There's a reason he does a brains podcast. There's a reason he writes for 
like a, a variety of articles for magazines. And there's a reason he writes books. Mark is good at, at pulling your genius and pulling your genius. I also want to know before we take off and before I ask you for key takeaways, I want to know, like we talked about some pain and suffering. I want to know what lights you up, what brings you joy, what fills your soul. Well, probably no surprise, but you know, my kids do mm. um, massively. I mean, today I knew my son had gymnastics only eight minutes away and they live like 30 minutes away in the car. And I know by the place where he does gymnastics uh, is a field of horses that my young daughter loves. Uh, and I had a meeting that canceled. It gave me kind of an hour where I knew they'd be up there. And I kind of text their mom and said, uh, would the girls like me to take them to the horses? You know, and they were like, yes. So, you know, I went there. I saw my son. He got really happy. You know, just I, I, I mean, I used to get happy when my dad used to turn up to watch me perform you know he's no different then I took the girls across the field to the horses you know we fed them apples you know and and just having that impulsive spontaneous memory creating mm. seeing how it lights them up you know that that's what gets me I mean that that lights me up seeing you know my children light up because it's interesting, isn't it? None of us actually chose to be here. Um, my kids didn't choose it. I didn't choose it either, nor did you, nor did anybody that's listening. Our, our parents chose it, you know, and then we choose it for other people. And uh, so we have a responsibility just on that alone that it's like, you put me here. You better look after me. You better like nurture me and make it fun and take care of me, you know, and that definitely lights me up. The other thing that really lights me up and probably one of my greatest values is I love to contribute, which, you know, if you think of everything I do, I mean, that's really why I do it is because I feel the most happy within myself when who I am, my thoughts, my heart, my energy, my resources are given to other people so that they feel happier, better, more involved, more inspired you know, which is why fundamentally I said absolutely yes to this podcast, because for me, it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, who who's listening to it. I want everybody uh, to have the ability to, to listen. And if only one person listened to it and one life is changed, one person is saved, one person is encouraged, one person is challenged. You know, for me, that that's really what lights me up. And, and obviously that can be expressed in different ways. You know, I love to contribute. That's what lights me up. I love that. I love that. And, you know, on this podcast, we've talked multiple times about when people feel like they're being a contribution, that they have some kind of purpose or something is kind of meaningful. Uh, there's a there's an explosive ripple effect that we don't even see. We know it's about one person, but you can you don't even know that one person whose life you've changed, how many lives they're impacting, right? You've got their families that are around them, the people they work with. And by a shift in them, there's a shift around you. I, I was in one course one time and the instructor said, you know, when you take your finger from pointing up to pointing sideways, the entire universe moves to accommodate it. So consider that you're always creating an impact. And I was like, I don't know anything about quantum physics. This sounds interesting and I'll bite. And so now going through life, I'm like, wow, you don't, it doesn't, it's not always about the volume. It's about the shift. The shift can be a two millimeter shift can be like a one degree shift and you can end up on a different continent. And so why not do those little incremental shifts? Even if it's, if, even if it seems so tiny, you have no idea the impact it can go when it serves others moving forward. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Like I've literally, I've binge watched uh, afterlife on Netflix with Ricky Gervais and three weeks ago, I hadn't watched a single episode. And then I just watched all three, you know, series within like, two and a half weeks and premises is he loses his wife to to cancer uh, and he's trying to find a way back to life you know because he life doesn't make sense for him anymore and it is quite it's got humorous bits you know and then it does have some real you know tough you know painful things that real people go through and it wasn't until the reflection of you know sometimes we have to show up in your case, put your lipstick on. In, in my case, you know, put on a jacket, even when we don't want to, because actually somebody else is also 
relying and needing what you have you know and, and if we think of where we live you know you live in canada i live in england i can't reach clarissa your neighbors you can you can't reach my neighbors either i can we all have a responsibility for our own growth not just so that we can become enlightened but when we're enlightened those around us are enlightened as well and that's why if we can't make that step to to get out of bed for ourselves get out of bed for the sake of somebody else i often find that it's sometimes easier to get out of bed for someone else than it is for me uh for those of you who ever run into that sometimes i mean extrinsic motivation there's okay fine there's there's some debate on that but i, I know when i cook dinner for me it looks a lot different than when i cook dinner for my family and like sometimes i take uh, I, I don't put the same love, care, attention and hear me clearly that when I cook dinner for seven other people, I, I, my heart and soul goes into it. I love it. And I, I'm well-nourished and they're well-nourished. And sometimes it takes me wanting to care for nurture and serve others in order to also really serve me. So and, but that is why we need relationship, right? Mm. Because if you Clarissa can't get out of bed for you some days mark sefton will happily get out of bed for clarissa right you know, and if you if you you know don't make food as good for yourself as you do for others then i'll happily make you my mexican ranch eggs you know and pour all the love into it and you can eat it right and, and so, enjoy yeah. it oh my gosh i'm like i cannot wait I was telling Mark before we started today, I have a fasting practice and I haven't eaten yet because my body wasn't ready for food yet. And so I have this latte. And so now we're talking about ranch eggs and I'm like, wow, yeah, too, you bad, you're, be a, too bad you'd you're be across the pond. <laughs> too bad you're across <laughs> the pond. Okay. Well, I would, uh, to end this, I would love for you to tell the audience some takeaways. If they're going to walk forward with anything from you today, what do you want them to take home with you, with them? Oh, I mean, there's, there's so much that, oh, okay. When you hurt most, you grow most, right? right? Manage your energy and not your time. So commit to the things that you love, the things that excite you, the things that will take you to where you want to go. You know, do things with heart or not at all, you know, is, is so important. Get comfortable with understanding your emotions. Take a piece of paper. Get in the habit every day of writing down the emotions that you feel attribute as to why you feel this particular emotion and what it means to you you know for me that's a real key you know principle i think you know lastly just realize that when you show up it's not just for the sake of you but actually you have an obligation and a duty to show up for those around you you know and there is this whole sense of you know, the need for the world to continue to be kind that, you know, none of us know exactly what everybody is going through. And even those people that put on a front that look like they've got it all together, that you never see any kind of like weakness or chink in their armor. They're the ones that we actually need to be even more mindful of because there's no such thing as a perfect life. There really isn't. A well-lived life is all of those things, introspection, doing things with heart. I, my phrase for the year is be bold, be brave, all in, all out. And I, if there's anything you can take away from this conversation today, it's, you know, do it, do it with love, do it with soul and find something that, that excites the hell out of you. Like that you're just, oh my gosh. Like what, if you watch Mark's face when he talked about his kids and taking them to see horses, it, he loves serving others and pouring into others. So it's, so fun. Mark is findable on many platforms and he is worth following and his books are worth reading. So Mark Sefton, where can we find you and how can people learn more and, keep, and follow along with your journey and what you do? Yeah, I'm definitely not shy. Uh, and <laughs> definitely, definitely not hard, hard to find either. Um, MarkSefton.com is going to be the place where you can see my books, articles, podcasts, things like that. So I would, and all my social media. So, uh, Mark Sefton and it's Sefton with S E P H T O N. 
uh, com. That's probably the easiest. I'm everywhere, though. I'm like a, a social media whore. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're good at it, do it, right? If you're, if right, you like exactly. Things, and you're a social guy. You're a social guy. Exactly, I am. Excellent. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on the Be Better podcast. We are so honored to have you, and we can't wait to see all the rad things that you get up to. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for being a sweet host. You're an incredible woman, honestly, and you make it so effortless and so enjoyable. You know, and like I said, you know, you you one of your secret like weapons in this world is is taking yeah basic ingredients and then making something super delicious. Um, you know, for us all to then indulge and and grow fat on. So beautiful. <laughs> Gotta love providing the people the fat to chew on. (laughs) Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, or you believe you know someone that it will do that for, please share it, leave a review. Thank you again so much. I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care.